Good morning. It is June 24th, 2019, Monday morning, 3 a.m. Los Angeles time right now. This is Dean, Dr. Dean, well, Dean Larratt. Let's just go with Dean Larratt. This is Dean Larratt, and you're listening to Bedtime Stories with Dr. Dean. Um, I uh, hope everybody is doing well. It's been about 12 days since my uh, last confession, as I like to call it. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, the last episode we did was, uh, June 12th. And, uh, I was just listening to little bits and pieces of that last episode. It makes it easier for me to know where I should start off, uh, on the new episode. Um, and, uh, we covered some pretty interesting stuff, stuff that I thought was relatively interesting. Um, we're now in, oh, I should say, hold on. I should say, that I went 0 for 3 uh, on some of my predictions that I made in my last uh, episode, the last podcast. I said that the um, Boston Bruins would win Game 7 at the Stanley Cup, in the Stanley Cup. I said that Golden State Warriors would win Game 6 in the Oracle in, uh, Golden St- in Oakland and would thus force uh, Game 7 against Toronto, and Toronto beat uh, Golden State to win the NBA championship. Congratulations to a team. Now, don't get me wrong. Even though I said Golden State would win game six, I did want Toronto to win the uh, series. I wanted somebody to finally dethrone Golden State. It gets a little old after a while when you keep winning it year after year after year. So... um, I was happy, but I wanted it to go a seventh game. So that was 0 for 2. And I was wrong about Kevin Durant's diagnosis. I said there's no way he completely ruptured his Achilles, but I guess that's what happened. And um, I still, I've done all sorts of movements with my foot, mimicking what he did, and I cannot see how the Achilles ruptures from that angle. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um... I went back and listened to some uh, clips of the last episode, uh, which we shot 12, uh, 12 days ago, and uh, it helps me get a, you know, uh, uh, where did I end off and where should I start off. And um, I should say, I wanted to say a couple of things. Um, I know a lot of what I talked about, uh, talk about in my podcast is those crazy days when I was, uh, I guess, you know, 15, 16, 17 kind of thing, and hanging out with uh, Fat Man and Dan and Tom and, and Lenny and Howie, uh, and of course all the other people in Francis Lewis High School that wanted to hang out because of the access that we had to, uh, to uh, being mobile, to moving around. We had, uh, we had the Fat Man's car, and... Um, and everybody wanted to be in that car in Francis Lewis High School. A lot of the people really wanted to get to hang uh, with him and with all of us. It was just a great time. But I do want to uh, reiterate that it was never really about, uh, when I speak about it, I definitely am not condoning any, uh, some of the, well, most of the behavior that uh, used to go on, mainly the drinking and uh and being involved uh, in a in a car with uh, booze and uh, the pot smoking. I, I know God knows how many people smoke pot out here and drive, 
but uh, in Los Angeles. But uh, definitely uh, uh, something that we probably should not have been doing and uh, something that I don't condone. And, uh, and me personally, I never get behind the wheel. But I uh, always wanted to say, I did want to say this, that e- one thing I do note, I did notice, and I was looking through some notes here on my uh, one-man show that I wrote many years ago, um, I, I had this uncanny knack uh, or ability that even when I got stoned, and I mean just completely bombed out of my mind with drinking or, or smoking or both, um, I still had this uncanny knack for sense of direction. I could always get us home, uh, even if it meant that you know a fat man fell asleep in the car from drinking. I was always able to get us home. I was always able, I, I got to know the city real well because he drove us around so much. I was very, very good at, um, at navigating. And uh, no matter how drunk, you know how if you, if you meet someone who's drunk, they don't know where they are, they don't know what they're doing. I never got that inebriated that I could not manage to get myself home or get all my friends home. I always had this, uh, um, this I don't know what it was, like the mother hen in the, in the car with everybody that I'm going to make sure that everybody gets home at the end of the night. And uh, it was... Uh, definitely a a crazy time and last we led off I was talking about the summer of I think 81 and uh, getting ready to go back to school and I spoke about the search for Springsteen and uh, at at this time I was having a rough uh, period mostly I started noticing depressive uh, depression bouts Uh, most of it was uh, basically me uh, mind, uh, I hate to use this word, mind-fucking myself. Um, I had uh, become sort of, uh, I got rattled when I read that the uh, person that who, uh, who had assassinated John Lennon, um, a guy by the name of Mark David Chapman, um, I had read when they uh, did an interview with him, they, uh, this is way back, obviously, this is right after this happened in 1980, I had read uh, that he had said that he had did this drug and this drug and smoked pot and this drug, and then he said uh, mescaline and LSD and whatever, psilocybin mushrooms, well, all these things. And of course, me uh, d- deciding to drive myself uh, nuts, I, uh, I heard mescaline and I went, Oh my God, uh, that's uh, I did that on Halloween. Um, I, I said, "Oh my God, that 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 that's something I have in common with this guy." Oh my God, am I going to become a, a a wacko like him or whatever? And uh, that sort of really put me into a tailspin depression. But I was uh, still able to, like I said, always battle these uh, any kind of demons with exercise and. Uh, working out and all that stuff. And I was still able to enjoy myself with my friends, but I always had, uh, you know, going out, at, you know, with my friends and Fat Man and all the craziness that we did. But I always had this uh, crazy um, uh, little internal battle of why did I have to read that he did mescaline, you know. Uh, um, every other drug I was okay with that he, that he did that I did. I didn't care about the pot. And as soon as I saw mescaline, I was like, 
oh my God, that's it. You know, I, I'm going to be a, a, you know, a wacko like this guy kind of thing. So that threw me off into a little bit of a tailspin. Um, and, uh, but I was always able, like I said, to combat it and still go out and have a good time and um, have fun. But I was definitely a little bit spooked by that. But that was the deal on that. And I was just looking, listening to some of the clips from the last uh, episode that we did. And I wanted to just uh, sort of explain a little bit of that, about that. So um, I guess it was uh, the end, uh, the, the end of, no, I guess the beginning or middle, probably like April or May of uh, 81, 1981, that I think you started taking prep classes for your SATs, and then I think you even sat for your SATs, uh, either summertime or May of the year before you wanted to go to school. So I think, I'm almost positive that uh, I, I took my uh, 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 SAT class in Francis Lewis High School. They offered a class, SAT prep class, and then I took my SATs. And I, I remember that I, I literally took my SATs. Um, I think you take it on a Saturday. I took it on a Saturday morning. And I th- literally think that most people were home maybe looking over some books or something the night before. I literally think, if I can recall, that I think I did Quaaludes the night before uh, my SATs. And um, there's a picture in my Francis Lewis High School yearbook of me and Dan and a few other guys standing outside the school uh, waiting to get let in to take our SATs. And I do believe that I was out with all those guys the night before getting getting wasted and hammered so it's just a ridiculous absolutely ridiculous um thing to think of when i look back or think of those things and uh i scored an embarrassingly low 990 out of a 1600 got a 510 verbal and a, a 510 math and a 410 english so um i uh I uh, remember I started 81 off in school and uh, you, know, you start getting your results back and you start uh, sending out applications for schools. And we'll get to this all in a little bit, but I just wanted to re- uh, just to cover a little bit of that, how that's going to fall into place in a, in a few minutes. So um, at this time in my life, I still have the the Diane's from Grover Cleveland High School. I'm still having like, you know, fun sexual escapades with her. I don't think I'm really, I'm trying to think, I don't think I'm really sexual with any other girls right now at this point. I think it's just her. Uh, I don't think I really, we really had that. But um, Lenny and Dan had some girlfriends and, um, and the beauty was that uh, Mark, a.k.a. Fat Man, um, would drive us to, like, our respective girlfriends. And, you know, maybe we would, you know, hang out with them alone while those guys went for a bite to eat or, or got stoned somewhere or went played miniature golf. And so we would do stuff like that. And, and Mark was always really cool about that. He was, uh, he was always excited to see that one of us might, uh, you know, have, have fun. Um, which I, I always thought was a great uh, uh, attribute that he had. Um, but uh, so 
uh, at that time, I'm doing that. I, I still have Diane in my life uh, as a, uh, I think, like a, a mutually agreed upon sexual relationship that I think we had. And um, uh, occasionally going out to Stony Brook to hang out with my brother and his friends at his school where he was at. And I believe I'm still working uh, with Howie uh, at the Bagel Oasis. And uh, Bagel Oasis was an interesting place. It was a great job, uh, a lot of fun. And um, used to make, uh, used to, I worked the counter. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Marv Albert used to come in like every Tuesday night after he was, he used to be a, uh, used to, he used to do the sports uh, on the NBC News, the 11 o'clock report. And as he was driving back home, he would uh, back to Huntington, Long Island. He would always uh, he would always pop in buy buy bagels. And uh, uh, I'm dying to run into Marv Albert one day at like a sporting event uh, and and tell him I used to sell him bagels. So uh, I still know his license plate number from uh, from uh, from the old days, but I won't say that on the air. But um, so I was having fun. Uh, life was, you know, uh, I mean, still, you know, a little dreary in Queens, but uh, had a little job. I also believe, and I can't remember the chronology of this, but I also believe that I am, I, 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 this, I'm trying to figure this out chronologically, but I think I'm also waiting tables with Dan at a place called Bennigan's, uh, which was a um, like a TGI Fridays or all that, uh, in Great Neck, Long Island. And I believe I'm doing that at that age. I, I'm almost positive I'm working two, th- two nights a week doing that, or two, three nights a week uh, doing something like that. And I am now uh, in September of 81. I've just turned 17, so I believe I have a, a license. Yes, I should have a driver's license. And I guess I'm using my father's station wagon. So that's what's been going on in my life, occasionally driving, but still hanging out with, uh, with Mark. And, um, and, you know, all of us are. We're all, nothing's really changed. Uh, you know, just partying on Friday and Saturday nights and uh, uh, sleeping at Dan's house quite a bit. I believe Dan's mother and father split by that time. So uh, that house was a complete free-for-all. That was a complete free-for-all. You never, you never knew who you're going to wake up to uh, in the morning uh, at uh, Dan's house. You never knew who, who decided to uh, crash out there. He had one of those kind of a par- uh, places where um, the, pretty much the door, the screen door, was open almost all night. It was locked, but... There were, the main door to the house was was wide open, and, and you could literally look in and uh, knock on the on the uh, outside screen door, and uh, that's how it was back then. You didn't, uh, we didn't even think, we didn't even think. Ah, it's three o'clock in the morning. Man might want to uh, close the door, kind of thing. It was ridiculous, absolutely cra- crazy lifestyle. But uh, you never knew who you were going to wake up to um, at that house, and um, it was a. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty, uh, things were going, you know, pretty fun. It was, like I said, a little dreary. And uh, we go, we take these trips into Manhattan and do all this uh, great stuff. And I would always, as we were cruising with, uh, with Mark in the car, uh, we would 
go up the Upper East Side and the West Sides of Manhattan. I would see the skyscrapers and, you know, some of the well-to-do people that they lived in and how, how different it was compared to where we were from. And no matter, like I said, no matter how drunk or high I got, I always could navigate around the city with those guys. But I always had this appreciation for Manhattan and... Uh, I sort of envied, you know, the people who got the chance to live in that city. You know, it was it was something that I always in my head, no matter how stoned I was, I would always look at these things and go, "What would it be like to live here?" And and um, and that was something that that I created a self fulfilling prophecy. I ended up living there. It was just, uh, but but at that time in 80, 80, 81, 82, it was uh, eighty eighty one right now. Um, it was just amazing just to, you know, cruise with those guys in the car. That's what it was called back then, cruising. Um, just the architecture of New York was amazing, and the skyline was just unreal, and Central going through, driving through Central Park was amazing. Amazing, And it was just a, a strange energy. It was uh, New York had a strange energy. Diners were open 24 hours. Bars and discos were open till 4 a.m., uh, I remember I actually uh, went to uh, Studio 54. I actually got into Studio 54 underage, and we got in. So uh, we just had crazy, crazy, crazy nights, just absolutely crazy. And uh, uh, it was it was just uh, a lot of fun. But um, obviously things start to get a little bit uh, serious once you start taking SATs. And, um, and I was still a... Uh, um, a, uh, a class clown, still a class clown in, in school, uh, in high school. That was something that had not uh, left me since public school, but still a class clown, still playing hoop, um, still uh, uh, running hoop, uh, the only white guy uh, on a, on a uh, with uh, nine other black guys running uh, hoop, and I, uh, I just had a had a knack for playing ball. I was a good hoopster, um, and I think in my, yes, in my senior year of school, eighty one. Uh, I think the only thing that really upset me is, um, I, uh, I, I tried out for the basketball team in my senior year, which is always the kiss of death because the coaches don't want to take you in your senior year because, you know, you're going to be leaving. They can't cultivate uh, your talent or your ability. And I tried out, um, and I, I'll never forget, I tried out, I was so nervous, I, I, I tried out for the basketball team, Francis Lewis High School, for, uh, on Valium. I took uh, two five-milligram Valium. Uh, I think from my mother's purse, and um, I was nervous. But uh, nonetheless, I didn't make the team. And even to this day, I have in my high school yearbook, I have people writing in my high school yearbook to Dean, to, to Dean, the best white basketball player in this school. Uh, too bad you weren't, you didn't make it uh, on the team. We could have used you. I mean, I had, I, I still have people uh, the, on my yearbook that wrote those things to me. Um, I, that, that was something that, that was a letdown because, uh, you know, I was dunking the ball at, at, at that age and even before that. And I just, I had a good, good 
game of hoop and always regretted that. That was something that I always regretted it. And I always said to myself, what would have happened if I didn't take the Valium? Um, did that alter me in some way? Did that change uh, maybe my reaction time? I thought I gave a good tryout, but I, I didn't, uh, I got cut. I was, came down to me and a guy by the name of Todd Bell and he was a sophomore. No, he was a, yeah, he was a sophomore. That's right. And he got Todd Bell, if I, yeah, Todd Bell, if I remember correctly. And he, he, um, he got in, uh, uh, he ended up playing for the team. But, um, so that was a, a, a letdown. But I thought maybe, maybe if I played some ball in college, in high school, maybe I could get like a semi-scholarship to a SUNY school or something, uh, or some sort of college. But that was not to be. And uh, so now we're in 90, uh, 81, 1981, and um, I, 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 something tells me I did not work at Bagel Oasis and Bennigan's at the same time. I just don't think I would have had the time to, to uh, get uh, all, to do all those things unless I worked at Bennigan's in the summer. I might have worked in the summertime, but uh, summer times, like I said, were spent. And pretty much at the beach, at Jones Beach, uh, West End 2 or Field Field 5, I think it was. Um, and that was uh, that's how uh, life was for us, uh, going out to the beach, going maybe cruising to the Hamptons with uh, Fat Man. Um, but that was, uh, that was us. I should say that we used to go to the nude beach. Uh, me, Fat Man, Lenny, Howie, we would go to the nude beach um, uh, in Reese Park, R-I-I-S uh, Park, and that was in Sheepshead Bay, I believe. Uh, I think that was either Rockaway or Sheepshead Bay. I can't remember, but it was in Brooklyn, and um, they had a nude nude beach there. And we used, I used to go. We used to go nude bathing. It was that was hilarious, but um, different time, very different time. So, uh, I, I something tells me that there's no way I, I held two jobs while going to. Uh, going to school. Uh, I don't think, I don't think my parents, that I don't think my parents would have allowed. It's just too thin. It would just be too, spreading yourself way too thin. So 81 comes around, uh, SAT results are in. I have to start sending out applications and, uh, I get, uh, I start sending out applications, you know, based upon the theory of, uh, well, where are my friends going to be going? And, uh, my friend, Tom, he got accepted, uh, I think, pretty quickly to, let's just say we're in probably early 82 right now. So let's push this to like January, February. So that's pretty much when you started sending out your, uh, your applications. And um, it was all done snail mail. Everything was done snail mail back then. There was no such thing as email. And uh, I guess I sent, I, so, you know, I'm listening to my friends and I had a 74 average on my transcript with 990 SAT, so I am not going to do well. Uh, I'm really going to have a hard time. And um, and I had, my, and it's funny because some of my friends that um, uh, had a uh, the same kind of create a lifestyle as me, except maybe a slightly more functional family uh, situation going on. Um, like Howie, Howie had like uh, 85 average, 84 average. Um, Dan, I think, had a 79 or an 80. I had like a 74. 
on my transcripts. And uh, yeah, Howie and Tom were accepted to Stony Brook. That's right. Now I'm getting all this now in my head now. And Dan and Lenny uh, were accepted to Oneonta. Yes, SUNY Oneonta. Now it's all coming back. And where was I accepted? Nowhere. I got accepted nowhere. I got, you know you're not doing well in school when you get um, waitlisted, turned down with possibility of being put on the waitlist uh, for SUNY New Paltz. Now, anybody listening to this, uh, and thank you, by the way, I noticed that my uh, viewership is going up, that I'm uh, uh, doing these a little bit more now, uh, a little more than uh, two months apart. But... Um, uh, anyone on the East Coast who knows that SUNY New Paltz was all you needed was a pulse to get into that school and and uh, the tuition uh, they would take anybody. So um, to give you an idea. I just wasn't cutting it as as a student. I was uh, I think I was a pretty smart guy, uh, common sense. I was a good good math guy. Like I said, uh, five eighty uh, in my math out of an eight hundred. So I did pretty well math wise, but. Um, uh, you know, I do think some of the dysfunction in my family was what uh, might have uh, caused uh, um, some some uh, problems in getting the better grades um, kind of thing. So, uh, but it is what it is. So, uh, I think I turned out okay. I think I did okay. Um, but so we're now. So I get every single school turns me down. Except one school says if you complete a contingency program with us, meaning you have to go take, and they gave me a list of classes, you had to take two three-credit college courses, so, uh, and I chose sociology and psychology, and I had to go to Queensboro Community uh, College to, uh, to take these classes in the summer I guess this was the summer of 82. Summer of 82. That's a pretty big year for me, the summer of 82. The summer of 82 is a, is a sort of a monumental year for me. Uh, a lot of interesting things happen in that uh, summer. Uh, we'll get to all that. But um, I, uh, I had, a, had to go to Queensborough College. State University of New York at Brockport said, and now I should tell you where this is, this is 450 miles northwest of Queens, New York, in, sandwiched 16 miles from Rochester International Airport and 32 miles from uh, Buffalo. And um, I, uh, they said they'll take me if I, get, if I can get a, a C, no, I needed a, I, yeah, I needed a 2.5 average uh, between the two classes. So I needed a, a, a C or a B, a C and a B, or two Bs, or, uh, yeah, I guess that would be it. Um, you know, anything that would make up a 2.5 average. And um, I got two Bs in the classes. And 82, uh, so that granted me admission to Brockport. I have never heard of this place. Uh, now, I, I think if I remember correctly, Either Stan Van Gundy or uh, or the brother. I can't remember the brother's name. Uh, oh man, I can't remember the brother. But the uh, the basketball coaches, uh, the one that used to coach for the Knicks. I'm almost positive one of them or both of them went to Brockport. That was the claim to fame. Uh, the Van Gundy brothers, if I remember correctly. Um, 
But yeah, this place, I've never heard of this, pl- this place. I had no idea where I was going. That's all going to get real interesting in a little bit. So, uh, but I do recall that in the summer of 82, I took a job um, at the Great Neck Squire Movie Theater. Uh, by this time, there were, I think, two cars in my household. My brother, uh, no, uh, I had a uh, basically a Dodge Dart, a 1976 Dodge Dart, brown Dodge Dart, and um, that when you made a uh, left turn, if you, if you made a, a, a momentum left turn, in other words, going, you know, 20, 30 miles an hour, the door on the right-hand side would, would open. It would literally, <laughs> it would fly open. The door would literally fl- fling open as you were uh, turning left. If you were making a hard left, uh, if you came to a stop sign and then made a left, no. But if you like, were going 25, 30 miles an hour around a curve or something, uh, anything involving a left uh, inertia, the inertia, the spinning, uh, that would open the door on the right-hand side and the door would swing wide, wide open. So um, that was the kind of car I had. And um, uh, it was a 76 Dodge Dart brown car. And, uh, and of course, I think I had access to my father's uh, station wagon from the company car uh, for the, my father's company. Um, so uh, I had got this job with my brother, actually. And we worked at the movie theater in Great Neck. And... Uh, that was a very interesting, uh, interesting period. It was uh, the reason I say this. It was the summer of Rocky Three. So, uh, those of you who've listened to my um, first uh, bunch of episodes know that I'm a huge Rocky fan, and that's the main reason I chose to move out to California and become a performer and all this stuff. As I, I, I just was so blown away by that movie as a 12 year old kid. So I. Uh, I took this job uh, at the Great Neck Theater. They own the people who own these theater, movie theaters own the two theaters. One literally across the street from the other. There was the Squire on Middle Neck Road in Great Neck, and there was the Playhouse on Middle Neck Road, literally across the street from each other. And they owned both. It was United Artists, and um, they had access to both. Uh, they owned uh, both theaters. So um, Rocky Three was out. And uh, I was an usher. I was an usher in that, uh, in that, uh, for that, for that movie, uh, amongst many other movies. I stayed there for quite a few months, actually. But I was an usher, and uh, that was an amazing job. And that was the job in which I would meet um, someone that would become a very, very dear friend of mine. Uh, our relationship has uh, different parameters these days. Um, it's never really been the same, but get into that another time. But I, um, I would meet a guy who would end up going to Brockport um, with me by some crazy fluke. Uh, his name was Michael Weiss, is, is Michael Weiss. And uh, he was just a great guy and everything. And um, I met him while, uh, for some reason... Oh, that's right. Now I remember. Okay. I, I went up to Brockport. I went up to, to college by myself for the orientation. 
I flew like People's Express or whatever it was. I can't even remember, but I flew up to Rochester and then uh, somehow took a cab to the campus. And, um, and I went on the orientation tour. And it's amazing. I went by myself. It it's just boggles my mind that my parents didn't even come to the orientation. I just, it's just amazing. But um, I went to the orientation and I saw the school and, uh, and I remember this guy was at the orientation because he's online for the movie uh, on a Friday night to see Rocky Three, And I go, hey man, is, is your name Michael? And, uh, and I said, I, th I think, didn't we meet on the plane? And he goes, oh my God, you're, you're Dean. Well, yeah, 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 that was, uh, that was uh, you know, whatever, a month ago, whatever. And um, we, uh, I went, we, we had met and got to remember walking around the campus all day and with the, uh, with the orientation leaders and all that. And he had gone up with a bunch of his friends. I don't think he came with his family either, but he went, but he went with a bunch of friends. I was by myself. And uh, a bunch of uh, people that uh, were in his high school, ironically, were going to Brockport. I guess, I guess they were also stoners uh, at Herrick's High in Manhasset. And uh, I guess they, uh, they also uh, didn't have the greatest grades. Uh, so they, when you didn't have great grades, Brockport accepted you. Now it's interesting because now cut to 2018, 19, 17, 16, uh, now it's like one of the best SUNY schools in the in the uh, in the system. You got to have like a three seven to get in there. It's a whole different whole different ball game. But um, uh, so I I see this guy online. I'm the usher for Rocky Three. I believe I actually let them both slide by without uh, you know. Hey, don't don't buy a ticket. I'll uh, I got you covered. I'll you know I'll just let you slide by. And they went and they saw the movie and we ended up shooting the, shooting the breeze and we became friends. And I said, hey, man, are you, did you decide that you're going to go? Yeah, I'm going up there. Oh, great, man. I will listen. Let's keep in touch and blah, blah, blah. And um, uh, we'll, you know, I'll see you, see you up there. And um, uh, that, so uh, 82 was, uh, was an interesting year because I would meet uh, a guy, which is Michael, that would basically sort of get me. He he was uh, he was my my Abbott to Costello. He was my you know Martin to Lewis. Whatever. Uh, not saying who was the straight man and who was the uh, who was the uh, the comedy guy. Uh, what I'm bringing out is I found somebody who had my sense of humor and. Um, so uh, now it's going to really start getting interesting because now I'm getting ready to leave school and, uh, you know, to, to go up upstate New York and we're at the 35-minute mark. So now it's, it's really, the podcast should really start to uh, take an interesting turn now because it's, um, we're, re we're going to be going to college very shortly. So summer of 82 is basically realizing that... Um, we're all leaving, you know, uh, everybody in high school is, uh, you know, hanging out. We all know that we're going our separate ways. And, you know, we're 18 years old and it's a weird time, man, you know, because I always thought you should go to school a little later on. I always thought 18 was way too young to go to college because it was just one of those things where, you know, you knew, you knew it was 
it was the beginning of the end of that um, or those friendships. Those things were going to be ending, you know. Uh, you're going to find a new life. You're going to do different things. And um, uh, the, a lot of the commonalities that you had with, with people and, you know, and, and uh, the, the garbage can fire uh, uh, nights where you're listening to Leonard Skinner and, and, you know, uh, keeping yourself warm around a garbage can, uh, fire and, uh, you know, smoking dope on the drag strip on alongside of Francis Lewis high school, um, or hanging out and, uh, on Franny, Franny Lewis Boulevard on the drag strips and Cunningham park and Alley Pond park and, and um, Forest Park and Forest Hills, um, you you know it's over. You know it's coming to an end. You know, and and uh, and you can see it in the in what's written in your high school yearbooks. You know, uh, uh, best of luck to you and in, in your life. You know that people are going going their own way now, and um, it was uh, it was a realization. So you know that that year in high school. Matter of fact, now that I think of it. My school, yeah, this is all coming back right now, stream of consciousness as I talk, I was actually granted permission to not have to go to class. Listen to this. Now that I think of this, I was sort of granted permission by the principal's office to not have to really go to class anymore in my senior year, late um I forgot what it was, late May, I guess. I think school went to May or June back then. And um, because I had scheduling conflicts for the sociology and, and psychology classes. So the theory was, uh, well, if he's taking college courses, why does he need to be in high school? <laughs> okay, so it was one of those things. So I got sort of like a special exemption. I... I, 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 I I totally remember something like that where I didn't have to go like the last month of school uh, because it got interfered with uh, going to Queensboro Community College uh, to get those six credits that I needed to, uh, to, to be accepted by Brockport. So 82 is a very interesting summer for me. We're still going out, getting stoned and uh, um, you know, not, not as much pot smoking now, you know, still drinking a little bit, but, um, you know, and, and it's still happening. I mean, we're all still hanging out with, you know, fat man and Dan and Tom, Howie and Len. Um, and you know, we're having fun and everything, but, um, I think, uh, you know, that they, we're starting to realize that, you know, something's changing. There is something changing. Nobody is staying home. Tom and Howie are only going 60 miles away to Stony Brook, but still, it's, uh, you know, way out in Long Island, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it's getting to the point where, you know, uh, we, we know that uh, this thing is ending, so um, that was an interesting time, and I was, uh, I, I, I had a strange feeling that I was going to vibe very well with this guy, Michael Weiss, and... Um, uh, I had a good feeling that we were going to become good friends, and we did. And unfortunately, the friendship is not what it used to be. Uh, certain parameters, and I guess you sometimes have to realize that you know friendships change. Um, but it is what it is. And uh, uh, so now my summer, 
uh, basically entails uh, definitely working at Bennigan's. I know I'm there in the summer of 82, and then I'm working at uh, the movie theater. So uh, uh, managing to squeeze in like some lunch shifts uh, and then uh, work in the... Uh, uh, at nighttime, not too far down the street, uh, at the, um, at the movie theater. And that was a really, really cool time. Cause I got a chance to watch Rocky three, like 420 times. And, um, that was with Mr. T. That's when we got to know who Mr. T was. And 82 was a really, was a strange, uh, summer for me because, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, we, we had lost John Belushi in 1982, if I remember correctly. Uh, I was on the phone. I was in a phone booth at the Squire Movie Theater uh, back then, uh, I think calling uh, my mother or somebody at the house, and they had said that John Belushi died. I'm almost positive it was in the summer of 82. And um, so it was, uh, it was an interesting, uh, interesting time, and um, uh, that was also the summer that I would really say, outside of hanging outside of Jody's uh, windowsill across the street from my uh, house, uh, my first crush ever uh, on Jody, um, uh, I would say that was the first time I laid eyes uh, on a girl that really just blew me away. I was just so, so attracted to this girl. I, 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 uh, I, I don't even say her name. I, if she's out there, great. Uh, her name was Lori Roush. And one day I was going to visit Dan. Dan had become a camp counselor at the same place that I was a camp counselor many, many years, a few, well, quite a few years before, uh, at Robin Hood country day school in Brookville and I drove out to see him in the afternoon you know one afternoon in the summer and um by the pool area I see this girl in a bikini and I'm like Dan who is that and he's like oh, her name is uh Lori or something like that and we hit it off immediately and I took her to see she lived in Jericho and uh by the water tower and the big blue water tower in Jericho and I, for some reason, I was able to hit it off. And I guess Dan, I guess Dan had a girlfriend at that time. So I don't think he was hitting on her at the camp or something. Or I, I, obviously there was, for some reason, I was able to take her out. And I took her to see Officer and a Gentleman. <laughs> I took her to see Officer and a Gentleman with Richard Gere in the summer of 82. And I fell hard for this girl. And um, she had just completed her first year at uh, upstate New York at a college. And not too far, it was about a two and a half hour Greyhound from, uh, uh, from Brockport. So uh, I'm already thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be my girlfriend while I'm up in upstate New York. I'll just, you know, scrounge up $7 for a Greyhound ticket. Um, so we go see Officer and a Gentleman, and that night, uh, uh, when I'm taking her back to, the ha to her house, say goodnight, kiss goodnight, kind of thing. I think I, I uh, was able to pull off. I was always sort of interested in martial arts back then and I uh, used to always do crazy stuff on the lawn with my, uh, my uh, friend's brother, Dan Casper. And uh, uh, we would do crazy stuff. And I was able to do a spinning heel kick that uh, Richard Gere did in that movie. Um, and I think the girl, I think Lori thought I was nuts. But um, uh, I'll, I'll talk about her in a little bit. But yes, I was 
completely smitten with this girl. I mean, I, I just was head over heels. She was just this really, really, really pretty girl. And uh, she had this great tan, if I remember correctly, uh, back then, uh, 1982. And um, so uh, I, I, I fall for her and everything. And uh, I think I saw her like a few times and she had to go back to school. And I was like, hey, you know, to me, I'm thinking, no worries. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to Brockport. And um, so now uh, summertime is ending. I'm getting ready to go to Brockport, State University of New York at Brockport. I have been there one time. And um, uh, I went up for orientation. And I had no choice. I had, there was no, I had, otherwise, I couldn't go to school. I'd have to go to Queens College. And I did not want to live uh, at my parents' house, I knew that I wanted to be, you know, on my own in some way, shape, or form, and uh, so I, I, I had no choice. It was the only school that accepted me. I mean, I, I, I tried out. I tried out. I, I applied to every school and uh, like even Plattsburgh and places that, you know, you're practically living in an igloo. Uh, you know, your dormitory would practically be an igloo. That's how high up. Uh, uh, Western New York, Northwestern New York, you'd be, you, you were talking, I mean, freezing weather. So, and Brockport was no different. Brockport was right near Buffalo. It was, it was crazy. So, um, I conclude my duties with, uh, uh, working at the Great Neck Squire. And, uh, that was a great summer and, uh, Rocky three and a lot of, a lot of hanging out at bars, um, after the shift, you know, all the ushers would, you know, end up at a bar and, and have some drinks. And uh, Bennigan's and the Squire Movie Theater were only about a mile apart. I don't even think it was a mile, uh, maybe a half mile. And um, so uh, between Bennigan's and the Squire, I was making a few dollars. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, life was uh, pretty good. I don't know if at that time... Diane was still in my life at that time. Obviously, probably not, because otherwise I wouldn't have had the uh, the impetus to uh, to go out with this girl, Lori. But um, by the way, I've tried to find Lori Lori Roush for like the last uh, thirty years on Facebook and all these other things. I cannot find this girl. Um, so I have no idea what happened to her. But I hope she's doing great and. Um, uh, so we end up, you know, a few dates and then she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to, uh, to leave and, uh, go back to school and, uh, I'm like, okay, great. You know, same here. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to going up there. She had a year on me. She had, uh, I guess she was a year older. And, uh, so now, uh, getting ready to leave 82, bid adieu to all everybody. And, you know, everybody's going there of their own ways, you know, uh, uh, I had a friend, uh, uh, Jerry Weingord. I can't remember where he went. Uh, wow, I got to think where he went. Um, oh, no, you know something? I think he went to Buffalo. Now that I think about it, I think he went to Buffalo and then transferred or something. Yes, and then he transferred to a school in Long Island for, for uh, engineering, if I remember correctly. Um, so that was uh, that was where it was uh, where it was at. Uh, the days of uh, hanging out with Mark were coming down to an end, and most of those nights, those summer nights, were basically us, you know, 
uh, all reminiscing and thinking, wow, you know, what, what's this going to be? Where are we going to be in 10 years? So um, come to September, let's cut, uh, cut a little bit. We got uh, about 12 minutes left. Let's cut to, um, I go up to Brockport. Uh, I, I get my, uh, my mother and father, excuse me, arranged to have uh, everything UPS to me. And, and um, you know, I go up with X, X amount of things, clothes, basically just enough for clothes, but nothing really else. And um, uh, anything I need is going to be uh, UPS to me. And um, so we went up there, and my first, uh, I get a letter in the mail before I leave that my uh, uh, my first roommate in college, uh, I'm going to share a dorm with a guy by the name of Tobin F. Walters from Montclair, New Jersey. And we did not meet an orientation. I was basically the computer back then or whatever uh, generated uh, that we're going to be roommates. And... uh, I walked into McLean Hall on the second floor, I believe it was 208, I'm almost positive, and I introduced myself to Tobin F. Walters, who was uh, basically um, basically like Opie from Andy Griffith, grown up. Uh, he was playing wide receiver for the school. He was going to be uh, on the football team. Uh, super nice guy. Uh, and... Uh, He's my first roommate in McLean Hall, and uh, I show up, and we uh, immediately we hit it off. He was very, he was from Montclair, New Jersey. Um, he had a very odd sense of humor, very, very deadpan, very dry sense of humor, but uh, we hit it off pretty well. We were actually, we actually were pretty, pretty, uh, we got, we got, we, we enjoyed each other's company to a certain extent. And um, we sort of grew on each other. And he would call me Jew Boy, and I would call him uh, whatever he was. I think he was part German, so I can't remember. But uh, we, would, we would always dish it out with each other. But uh, definitely a good guy. And um, he was my first roommate in, uh, in SUNY Brockport. And that was a very interesting thing. You know, I, the only experience I've ever had with something like this was going to Camp Oquago two years before. And this was just weird. This was like, you know, there's no more cruising around with fat man and getting, you know, I mean, all sorts of craziness is going to happen in school. But um, this is a different ball game now. You know, my friends are, uh, Dan and Len are three, I think it's three hours south of me. I'm literally eight hours, seven and a half to eight hours northwest of New York. So those guys are about two and a half to three hours. This girl, Lori, is at Cortland, uh, SUNY at Cortland, which is also, I think, two hours away, two and a half. And, uh, and my other friends, uh, Tommy and Howie, they're, uh, they're 550 miles away, uh, going, you know, way out in Long Island. So it was really, it was a very interesting, uh, a very interesting change for me. It was a very, very interesting change. And, um, I basically, uh, uh, it was, it was a little bit of a culture shock, but it was interesting because I was, I had, uh, I had something that these guys didn't have on the whole. I, I was from Queens, New York. 
90% of the people I met up there were from uh, upstate New York, like, uh, you know, uh, from farms and Buffalo and, and Rochester and uh, areas up there. They, they, they had not really seen um, a guy from Queens, New York. It was just something that they were not familiar with. It was, it was interesting. It was a very interesting thing for me. So uh, it was sort of like, the you're, you know, oh, watch out for him. He's probably a wheeler dealer from, from New York. There was a couple of guys in the hall. There was one guy named Tony. He was from Hempstead, Long Island. Uh, cool guy. And um, But uh, most of the, uh, it seemed for some reason, I had about three or four guys on the, um, on the hall in McLean that were uh, freshman football players. Uh, one of them was a guy that I would become very close with uh, uh, down the hall, a guy who just recently passed away, I think uh, two years ago. Uh, a guy by the name of Kevin Snyder, and he was from uh, Lansing, uh, Ithaca. Lansing, Ithaca. I always remembered what his back of his uh, his varsity jacket used to say that he wore. And he was, uh, I guess, an outstanding uh, quarterback at Lansing. But he got accepted to play quarterback at Brockport. And it, these would become the cast of characters that I would be hanging out with on the floor. Um, and this was like, this was just such a, a strange way to live. I mean, black and white television um, with rabbit ears antenna. Um, you're in basically like an army cot bed. I mean, the bed was a single bed, um, uh, then separated by a desk, and then that was Toby's bed. And it was just, you know, no carpeting on the floors. You're on a cold floor. You're sharing... Uh, a uh, a bathroom with everybody on the floor. Um, it was they were three. I think it was three stories. I think yeah, it was three story dorms, and um, it was. Uh, but it was interesting. My dorm had a an amazing view of the strand of the school, and what I mean by strand is the walkway that people had to take to get to all the peripheral classes. So I would see. All these people walking. I always chose late classes because I couldn't get up in the morning. I was always a night owl. But I would, um, <laughs> I would, I would see Michael Weiss. So my friend Michael Weiss, uh, you know, was up there. He was in a different hall than I was. He was in what's called Benedict Dobson Hall, and uh, at the for his freshman year, uh, and. Uh, we, I would see him walking in his sweatpants to, to class, and I would be uh, yelling out the window. For, I, I would be literally about 80 feet from the strand, and I would yell out, and here comes my, and he'd be so embarrassed because there's hundreds of students walking throughout the strand, and I would be on my bed. I built my bed into being like a, uh, uh, like four feet off the ground, the way I built it, and um I would, uh, and my bed was basically on the windowsill. Uh, two edges of it were on the windowsill, and two edges of it were on the uh, uh, desk that I bought. And uh, so I, uh, um, I was literally suspended uh, between the windowsill and and the desk, which was ridiculous if you think about it. Uh, you know why I did that? I don't, I don't even know. But I could literally yell out the window and go, and walking through to class right now, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I would do. I would, 
I would yell, ladies and gentlemen, standing six feet, one inches tall, possibly six feet, two inches tall, weighing a solid 153 pounds. There's Michael Weiss walking. And I used to break his chops. Well, yeah, that, that, that's right. Yeah, it was Mike. I, I, I'll tell you his middle name later because once I found out his middle name, I started doing that as well. And he would look at me and you could, you could tell he was... Part of him was hysterical, and and part because nobody could see where this was coming from. It was almost like a sniper, you know. You couldn't really see through the screen. Uh, uh, I was eighty feet, ninety feet away from these people, but I'm screaming, and the acoustics, the way it was built, the acoustics was so perfect that um, it was built that way. So uh, that's uh, that's where it was at. That was my freshman year. We're going to get into some really good stuff. I'm going to explain to you a little bit about freshman year. But I started hanging out. This is my core group of guys. Kevin Snyder was the uh, quarterback. He was third string. He was a freshman. Um, Scotty Moyer was a uh, tough dude. Scott Moyer was a tough uh, defensive back. Uh, he was from Kingston, New York. Just a tough guy. And I also think he must have been, he might have been 10 to 12 years older than us. No, nah, I'm kidding, Scotty, if you're out there. But he was, uh, he had to be, when I was 18, he had to be, never really told us, but I think he had to be 20, 20, he had got to be three, four years older than me. Uh, it's got to be. Um, you know, he had like a mustache and a beard, you know, one of those things. Um, but he was a cool guy, tough guy. But for some reason, he liked he liked me. He just uh, he got a kick out of me that I was uh, some wheeler dealer from New York. But I I'm gonna cut this a little short because we have two advertisements. Uh, we got a new sponsor, so we're gonna input those uh, into the uh, into the um, uh, segment. And so I have to cut it a little bit short uh, so that the computer can automatically uh, insert these things. Um, so uh, that would become my core group guy by the name of Keith Montante was my across the, the hall, literally across the hall uh, neighbor. He was from Kings Park, New York, Long Island. Uh, a very strong kid, did not look as strong, uh, but he was uh, pretty much benching uh, as much weight as most of the football players. He was one of those guys that uh, could put up like three and change and uh, weighed like 138, 140. He was one of those guys. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I had declared my major was going to be accounting. So I'm going to leave you with that, the fact that you guys think I will become an accountant. Um, I'll see you guys soon. It's going to get interesting now. Trust me. Now I, I, it's, it's actually it's really going to get interesting now. This is where it really starts to take off. Stick with me because I, 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 I and thank you so much. Uh, I noticed the viewership is going up. So please come back. Okay. And uh, now a word from our, uh, from our sponsors. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys soon. I'll speak to you soon.